Hello, everyone. This is Robin. Hi, this is Karen. This is going to be the hopefully first of many episodes into this podcast. We don't have a title, so we'll go with working title for now. You mean the first of many lasts? Perhaps. That also could be the case. All right. So, Karen, what drink of choice do you have right now? I am drinking the, thing, the same drink I drink every morning, uh, which is just hot jasmine green tea. Wonderful. All right. Even though it's not morning, it's afternoon. And right now I am drinking a brown sugar milk uh, latte. Um, it's one of those um, packaged ones. So it's not great, but it's also not bad. It's pretty convenient for its cost. It's very pretty effective. Um, and it's it's a good meal replacement, I would say. It's in a small form. I mean, it is mostly milk, right? So you get a lot of calories from milk, which isn't bad. It's just you have to be aware of it because it's really easy to overdrink calories. Is this your lunch? Is this what I'm hearing? This is your lunch? This is part of my lunch. Uh, I had sashimi, salmon sashimi earlier, and then I had this other side. Uh, I see. Do you drink that often? I feel like... Lattes aren't your thing because they don't really contain any caffeine whatsoever. Yeah, that's also the case. Um, I don't usually drink lattes. This just happened to be at the Korean supermarket that I went to and just seemed interesting. So I'm just trying it this time. I was going to milk. I don't know. I was going to make some Earl Grey, but instead I just went to drink this latte. It was just more convenient. Cool. So today we're going to be talking about something that Karen's had on her mind for a while. She has a lot of interest in the subject matter, and it's called hackathons. What is a hackathon? So a hackathon is essentially a event where uh, many different people of many, mostly, you know, uh, uh, programmers, people that are in software development, sometimes designers, project managers, product managers, you know, domain expertise, come together and collaborate on working on a small project. And the goal, you know, is to create something functional at the end of it to, to kind of demo or present to a panel of judges. Um, hackathons tend to be, you know, have a specific topic or a specific subject in mind, um, whether that's, you know, hosted by um, of various different companies or various different or one particular company that wants you know showcase their API but it's 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 a means of really kind of showcasing what uh, creative things can people build in a short period of time would you like to add anything to that Robin uh, just for clarification uh, that's from the participant side not m mostly right just when you say uh, say a team comes together that's from the participants yeah. like the Hackers, mm -hmm. quote unquote. And just uh, for clarification, from the other side of things, the people that organize it, um, what they get out of it and their motivations from it is either they're giving examples and want to see traction on APIs they're doing, or they want to get feedback on what people need. And this is the best playground for that because they're at the same spot, location for hours at a time and actually doing live programming. And this helps a lot of people make third-party APIs, for example, as well as first-party. And just the collaboration there just helps a lot for any API creation. Yeah, I also think it's a good publicity tool for those companies as well. Uh, I think, you know, 
having said that you sponsored um, some really cool ideas is always, always good, good press material. Yeah, it's always great for the PR side of things. Uh, so talking about hackathons in general and why Karen likes them and the motivations behind the companies to do it, there are motivations from the hackers and those would be either, you know, including a wholesome team bonding environment or to, you know, get their foot in the door or get themselves some understanding of how it is to create a project and then hopefully do MVP by the end of it. And sometimes people go into it not having any experience, not knowing how to code or not having expectations, which I think is perfectly fine. Um, Karen, do you have anything to mention about that? I think a lot of people also do it for the fame and glory, Robin. I think there's something absolutely amazing about, you know, potentially building something and, and winning uh, some kind of, either it's a cash prize or some kind of like non, non-cash non prize or some sort. So, but it's, 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 I don't know, one of those things where people enjoy competing. This is kind of like the sport for you know, programmers, essentially, yeah? Or software developers. That's an interesting way to perceive it. I've never really thought it like that, but there definitely is some extrinsic motivations just because if you win a large event, uh, you could use that either as an introduction to other either companies or to individuals, right? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, yeah, like if you say you've won for example, TechCrunch startup event, like you definitely get a huge advantage there in the sense like people would know what that is. Yes, for sure. Uh, there are a lot of smaller hackathons, which people wouldn't know, even people within the same industry um, or field. And I think that's fine as well. Um, I honestly don't know how much of a role this plays in people's like resume building. Um, a lot of candidates I've seen just don't have that mentioned at all and i don't know if it's a plus or a disadvantage at this point right but i definitely think overall going to a hackathon is a great uh, experience um you gotta make a lot of friends if you're into that kind of thing and you're allowed to collaborate with new individuals and do some networking there whether it's uh, business professionals or it's just other participants out there and this could help you find co-founders or this could help you find uh, designers or other developers that could start working on projects or getting advice, right? Like network building in general. And I think that's something that is missing in our field as software engineers. We don't have like a large uh, guild or large kind of um, union where we could ask for advice and also uh, delegate work, which I think is fine. I don't, I'm not um, a proponent of unions. I just think this is um, there's something missing for discussion. I mean, we do have Stack Overflow in the whole internet, but I feel like that doesn't have enough direction. Yeah, I think there's there's a couple of thoughts I have on this. You know, I, I do agree with you that there's not really like a central location where people can come together and kind of like the people that are more entrepreneurial, like which want to start you know a company that want to you know kickstart a project. There's not really um, a central location for them. I can think of like some some things that you can apply to, like Y Combinator, for example. Um, but there's no like group or location that's like open forum that you can participate in. So yeah, no, it's it's they are 
I, I really enjoy hackathons for multiple different reasons, but yeah, definitely uh, meeting new people and, you know, seeing what other people come up with is pretty exciting. Definitely. Um, just, it's an exciting thing to see people in the same building just working for maybe between, you know, 12 to 24 hours nonstop sometimes and coming up with seeing different things. It's great just seeing like live demos of just what somebody's just created. And it's always just like definitely a little bit crusty, but like at the same time, it's really interesting to see what people have done. I like it how you said it was, you know, up to 24 hours. I think we've done a hackathon that's over 48 hours before. I don't, definitely don't uh, suggest doing more than 24 hours. That made no sense. And I don't know why they made it multi-day. That was literally the worst 36 hours ever. So, just because, yeah, you run into people that just don't want to sleep and you end up sleeping maybe one or two hours in rotation every couple of 20-so hours. So so moving on to this, I kind of want to talk about, you know, uh, our experience with hackathons and what we consider, you know, uh, good strategies to take on when you are participating in one. So we have participated in... So many hackathons. We pretty much did about one to two a year um, back before uh, the pandemic started. And it's been how many? We have over uh, won over $86,000 in just pure cash prizes. As uh, let that be known. This was split between between four and five people. So it's not just, you know, one person getting that large amount. Right. That's also correct, right? Yeah, yeah. And also split among many, many years. I think I totaled up, we have done over, I think, eight hackathons to this date. That sounds about right. I haven't been keeping track, to be honest. Um, and then all of it kind of blurs together. Uh, it's Sleep deprivation makes memory creation quite difficult. Yes. With that in mind, uh, hackathon prizes, they aren't all consistent. And they will vary depending on who's hosting it, as well as why they're hosting it. Uh, so some of the prize pools might be maybe less than $3,000 for like the whole pool, whereas the larger ones might be over 100000 or so. Um, one of the largest we went to, um, which one was that, Karen? That was Money 2020 um, in 2016. We created a uh, financial advisor for the Amazon Echo named Warren, and the prize yeah. the prize for that is we won. Um, so Money Twenty Twenty has several tiers of prizes. Uh, I think we won uh, one of the twenty k prizes from this this the the Money Twenty Twenty sponsorship, and then we won a specific other Visa prize, uh, which is one of the sponsors there. Uh, that was twenty five k. Plus a HoloLens, which I think you still use, and, and a, a trip to the Pro Bowl. Yeah, so interesting thing to mention there. Um, Karen mentions that there was both a main event prize as well as a sponsor prize. Do you want to go over that for a second? Sure. So, you know, I think Robin mentioned earlier that a lot of companies help uh, participate and sponsor these hackathons, and they do so by uh, contributing essentially um, a prize for utilizing. Uh, some of their APIs or technology. And so in the case of Visa, I think, you know, that was utilizing some of their various different APIs that they have uh, publicly available. And, you know, 
there that that is that is the sponsor prizes and then you know the money 2020 itself has um a pure uh cash prize as well for the top let's see here there are five 5k prizes or uh and four 20k prize and one 30k prize if i remember correctly yeah i don't know how so the important. main event itself sounds like it had a quite a large and substantial prize yeah. pool yeah uh this is not that common correct no i think most hackathons have much smaller cash prizes but for example the sponsors might have more variable as well as larger prizes correct uh what are some uh, size of prize pools that you've seen sponsors give out in different event levels uh that i don't have a good grasp on like i can hardly like this is this all blurs together robin we kind of go in with a kind of strategy when we when we go into these hackathons and kind of say all right we want to target uh, specific sponsors because we think that we have you know either a better shot at winning or a better you know uh, idea that would really really entice um the judges on that part i think that's a great segue into uh strategies to win and as mentioned before, we've been to several hackathons in the past, and we've actually won various positions, such between maybe uh, first place up to tenth, uh, and so on. Um, a lot of them, by the time we went, we would uh, get some kind of prize, and um, that strategy, which is about figuring out what your assets can do in limited time to maximize your win conditions. Uh, would you like to continue explaining that? Yeah, so my my thing on on how I think we were able to successfully uh, you know compete in these hackathons is having a specific team composition and having that team composition be in such a way that there are clear divisions and lines of ownership throughout the team. I think this this goes actually hand in hand with starting a company, um, to be perfectly honest. But just to talk about our team composition, uh, usually what we would do is have two people dedicated as you know the software engineers, which are you know building the back end, building the front end, um, and that would usually be delegated to you, Robin, building the back end, myself building the front end. Um, and then we would have, you know, a dedicated person that would focus on product management side. Um, and then we would have a dedicated person focus on the design side. That to me was the, the best uh, composition of the team and having everyone have clear understanding of what their roles are and what they're supposed to, you know, accomplish by the end of the 24 hour period is, was, was probably the most effective use of time. How about you, Robin? What do you think was one of the most important things when it comes to strategies for hackathons? Uh, I definitely think having a cohesive and functional team makes the most sense, right? If you're able to commit and able to deliver, that's the key strategies that you need to be able to get. Um, those, a lot of times during hackathons, if there's a lot of uh, debate on what's going on, you're probably not going to end up with making something cohesive. And sometimes it's that could turn out great because, you know, last minute ideas that are amazing happens sometimes but normally once you come up with a clear idea it's about be able to push that into a delivery phase into an mvp that looks good and feels good it doesn't need to be polished it just needs to do and tell a story to the judges tell a story to anyone that may use it kind of thing similar to you know starting any projects and delivering your first mvp whether that's to a client or if that's to an investor or a or vc for example yeah, you're absolutely right. 
Yeah, it was it was one of those uh, definitely definitely one of those things that I think really helped us in terms of being able to execute extremely quickly. I think there were there have definitely been some hackathons where we've changed the idea several several times throughout that twenty four hour period. I think the Money Twenty Twenty Hackathon was one that we did change the idea several times, um, and you know at the end of the day, you know when. When it was, it was essentially the product manager deciding on this is the idea, this is the vision, this is how we're going to do the pitch, and then we we all just said, all right, let's let's you know figure out how to make this work, and, and just kept on uh, coding up through that through the rest of the night. Definitely, there's definitely moments where in the beginning you won't know exactly what you're going to build, and even if you come in with a game plan, you have to be flexible enough because sometimes the judges won't like that in the sense like this is something they've heard or this is something that doesn't seem novel at all or something that they really don't really want to see. And you have to be flexible enough to be able to pivot into things that they want to see or interesting ideas that they might not have thought about. And there's a lot of um, product management in the sense understanding your uh, users. And in this case, the users here will be the judges in most cases. And how they're judging will depend on the criteria they have. And different sponsors might have different criteria as well as the main event. Um, so it all depends on who you're tar targeting, because sometimes you may only target a sponsor, whereas sometimes you may target both the main event and the sponsors. And being able to uh, have one person dedicated, the product manager, for example, be able to hone in, spend most of their time efforts to come up with ideas, that's probably one of the most ideal ways. Because if you have several people doing it, they might come back, have different ideas, and that's going to make it really difficult to settle on an idea. And the turnover for that would just little add too much friction to your MVP. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, I don't know if you remember, but uh, I think we did TechCrunch Hackathon back in 2015, and that had, uh, we built a project called the Meter Beater at that time, and I remember specifically um, our, our, product, our product leader was going about and actually getting this idea vetted to a lot of the sponsors that we were going after. TechCrunch has a little bit of a different format where I think a lot of the, there are a lot of different sponsors. And so you really have to go and pick and choose who you want to uh, integrate with. And he, you know, our, our product manager uh, did an amazing job of talking through uh, to various sponsors and seeing if they would be interested in an idea. And I think that actually, you know, led them to be even more interested in the idea because, you know, when when the sponsors or the judges, they, you know, uh, are trying to be helpful as much as possible and they're trying to, you know, get the best ideas uh, to win essentially and you know sometimes they even help out in terms of like pitching things that you know might make the the project better yeah that's definitely true because they the judges themselves are there to promote their companies and in order to do so they want to see amazing things created and any collaboration there is important to creating something amazing and having more heads and be because they definitely have ideas in their head that they want to see but they just don't have the resources to do and Basically, as a team there, you're the resources that they could use. And if you're able to execute in a timely manner what they've been dreaming about for maybe a week or a month or however long, then they definitely will feel more commitment to it. And they'll definitely be like, this is a good idea kind of thing. So it does help you as a participant team in order to be able to build something that they want to see, right? Yep, precisely so. What are other things you think that would be helpful or has helped us in the past for the hackathons that we've won or participated in? 
A lot of the hackathons that we go into, we have a core idea of what we want to build around. And I think that helps us from both the product perspective, because if you have your core data models, your core design kind of fleshed out for those things, you're able to pivot very easily to things and you won't feel shuttered to just one design. And I think that ha helps a lot. Um, for example, I was remembering, a, I recall a time uh, for the Hack Health, I believe, we went in kind of blind. And the problem there was that we really didn't have any mastery over the industry at all. Like we have no idea about health or anything like that. So we didn't know what we could do and what the judges would want. So we basically were just dead in the water for a bit. Yeah, I remember that time too. That just reminds me, Robin, that there's a clear trend in, you know, what we tend to build is a lot of, I forget, e-commerce retail, retail platform uh, apps, which is really funny. Um, yeah, um, have, most, yeah, most of the teams we work with, the participants have, you know, several years of experience in e-commerce. Yeah. And that just helps us understand because we have mastery of that not mastery, but like deep understanding of that vertical, for example. Um, both Karen and I have worked in either e-commerce slash um, retail space for at least uh, nine years each, mm -hmm. which is a pretty long period of time. Um, and that helps. Uh, the team members that we usually get also have at least between five plus years experience in those industries as well, right? Yes. So it definitely helps having that alignment because you're able to quickly see what is common and how to switch to something that may be what you need to deliver. Um, that reminds me of the one time at the uh, Money 2020. For that, um, even though we didn't go into it with a clear-cut design, we were able to pivot out of what we had built before, but also build from it. And that helped a lot for like MVP, for example, because I was able to reuse maybe 70% of the things and then drop maybe 30% of the code, which no longer was applicable. So it definitely is helpful to have reusable things and shared things because, uh, and also the other thing is always be comfortable with dropping things. Like that's the thing you need to realize is it's a very fast paced and it's very, un there's a lot of uncertainty. So even if you build something and if you need to drop it, do it just like, don't care about it. That's the thing you need to realize. Like, it's all about getting it done. And if what you're working on was a just drop, just keep going. Like, that's one key thing. Like, you don't want to be stuck and be like, oh, man, I just spent so much time working on this one thing. It's no longer used, right? Yep. Also, make sure you don't override other members' commits, Robin. Force pushing to a local branch <laughs> and then pushing your own branch that no one should be using seems like a okay thing in my mind i think it's you know when someone is trying to help with the back end don't necessarily blow away other people's commits maybe it depends but yeah um it's a funny thing where or i think it's funny looking back at it where both i and karen were working on the same back end and i force pushed my branch because i assumed no one was working on it and then it blew away some changes which i had to uh, quickly quickly uh, recover. Yeah, yeah. but I, I feel like those things are going to happen regardless. I mean, there's, there's just, everyone just making a good sport of it, especially because, you know, you're under stress. You also probably haven't sleep, slept in, like, what, 
I don't know, I was probably hour 20 or 23 at that time, right? And so, you know, just having, making sure that you're with people that, you know, you know you can get along with, that you are, uh, that you're trying to make progress towards a certain goal and not, you know, and just having fun with it, it also helps a lot, I think. Yeah, definitely being able to be comfortable with your team is going to help a lot because basically you're in a room together for a long duration, um, like literally more like three work days compressed one and you're probably not going to be well slept and being able to spend literally three work days around the same number of people that without sleep usually is stressful regardless of the situation but here we're making it so that you have a goal in mind that you have to deliver which definitely makes it way more stressful and if you have to be worried about team members that definitely is going to take like a lot of your work effort and it's that's one hurdle that you just can't overpass because being in being a human and just talking to people takes a lot of work effort you know and if you build that repertoire and understanding of what people could do what they could deliver and their expectations and such then you don't need to worry about those things as much right yeah you're absolutely right there robin there's a lot of trust that goes into uh, going into something like this. And I know that, you know, sometimes people come into these hackathons not knowing anyone um, and participating in a new group. But I do think, you know, having that ability to say, you know, I trust you to handle this portion or this, you know, that it all comes back to that ownership thing, trusting people to do um, what they do best. So, Yeah. Um, I also, one tidbit of what I want to say is like, uh, what determines winning could de- mean different things to different people. Some people take it as a win at that, you know, they just meet new people, build out the professional network. Some people treat it as a win to be able to say, hi, I've worked on this project and, you know, now it's something I can say I have understanding of and now I could be able to build whether it's plugins or some other things and then do some side gigs. A lot of people come in with different ideas of what winning means and their takeaways from it will be different. So as long as you know and understand what your team members' goals are, as long as you're aligned, it definitely helps. So I have to ask, Robin, what is winning to you? Surviving and not dying is probably <laughs> my goal for a 24 plus hour period. It's a very hefty chore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> I think going into a hackathon, it's just spending time with the people I want to spend time with. But also winning a prize from like a prize pool definitely helps a bit. I mean, it just makes you feel a little bit better and basically makes it like a quote unquote paid vacation basically. Um, But at the same time, it's not free because you're technically doing work to get the prize pool. So like, it's not free, it's just paid for. Yeah, but I don't know. I've Um, never considered it work. I considered it as, you know, this is fun. As in, you know, we're just messing around and building stuff. That's true. There is some fun and creativity there. Um, And definitely, quote unquote, less stress. Because with work, you have deadlines that sometimes are hard. And they do impact bigger things. Um, If you mess up here, like drop the ball, uh, the worst thing that happens is you don't get a prize. And that's not the end of the world. Whereas at a company... You know, that could lose you a deal, that could lose you a role, that could lose, like, a lot of things, right? Um, is there anything you want to add to that part about just... About what winning means? Um, 
Yeah, no, there's, there's, there's definitely, I would say, something amazing about being able. So I think for many of these that we went to, at the end of the, at the, you know, the judges event where they kind of really announce them, you get to go on a stage and you know get congratulated for your prize. I mean, that is always like an exhilarating rush. Um, also, for me, I think one of my favorite parts of the whole hackathons is after staying up, you know, twenty four or forty eight hours, the sleep that you get afterwards is just amazing. I don't know that that to me is one of the, my top my top favorite things. Sleeping after a hackathon. I think sleep in general is usually a good thing. Yeah, <laughs> um, especially over you know when you're up for a twenty four hour period. Um, there's a fun study that I re recently read where if you stay up for 24 hours it kind of messes your brain so in healthy brains it actually might make it worse whereas like if you're uh have bipolar or uh, manic depression or anything like that it resets it into this uh, somewhat healthier state uh, it like flips it so it's kind of interesting that you mentioned staying up for that long and then going to sleep um yeah <laughs> I don't know. I just, I just always find that the sleep after a hackathon, even if you win or lose, is just very, very, very pleasant. Um, and this might be one of those things where you deny yourself something and then you get uh, reap your rewards later. So one of those things that I, I just personally just enjoy. Just for clarification, the people on this podcast are not condoning sleep deprivation, so don't treat that as a healthy thing to be doing it. Maybe once in a while, just just for clarification. Yes, yes. Okay, so moving on to that, are there any strategies that you want us to talk about where, I guess, like, pivoting in my head is a very good strategy for, like, from our perspective or my history with it. Mm -hmm. um, just be able to not settle on a single idea and just, like, be able to pivot if there's a better idea that comes out. Um, being flexible definitely helps there. Uh, what, what's your take on that? Yeah, I, I mean, I completely agree. I think there has been so many times where we came into the hackathon with some idea of what we were going to build. Um, I can't remember for, I think, the, for the Money 2021 where we built Warren. I think we were definitely going to try to do some kind of like uh, financial status like, you know, that would tell you, oh, you know, like you have potentially, uh, you are, you're taking a trip. Maybe we can save you some money on, on you know, tickets or something like that. Um, I think we actually try to build something like that out. But being able to say, uh, let's not go down this route. Let's completely switch it to something completely different and have that uh, be the a way of saying, you know, we can easily maybe try to figure out what we can reuse and what we can, you know, uh, continue forward with has been has been really really helpful in our regard yeah i definitely don't think we would have placed as high or at all if we had gone with the original idea because it was a little bit redundant with a lot of the ideas we saw mm -hmm. as well as um like credit karma for example just does that kind of thing where it just like gives you alerts and like says oh you should try doing these things and then it sells those ad spaces right yeah so it's not that interesting or novel and I think there were other participants that actually ended up doing that idea. Um, so being able to pivot into another idea and dropping a lot of things and just moving on, I think does help over there. Because if you find a novel idea, like at the twenty first, like the twentieth hour, like it's okay to drop everything and just work on that and just finish that, as long as everyone is okay on your team with doing, doing that. Yeah. So normally other teams which haven't uh, been working together for a while, we'll run into problems. 
and that does slow down development as well as like alignment. And no one really wants to work on an idea that they think is overtaking their own idea, right? Like it just doesn't feel good. In a sense, like it's overriding someone's opinion if both people are saying like, oh, I think my idea is better, right? Because they're committed to some kind of work effort. But uh, if you go into a hackathon with just dropping that kind of quote unquote pride, then I think that definitely does help you in most perspectives. But definitely, if you're able to step back from a problem and say, from the perspective of the judge, hi, what do you guys want? Then that definitely will help a lot. Yeah, no, agreed. I think there's been many times where I've, I've, I've I felt really strongly for or against an idea and had to say, I will take, you know, a second seat and, you know, uh, let uh, the designer or the product manager really focus on, you know, vetting that idea out more than I do. And I will focus on my, my portion. So yes, yeah, I've done so that before. There's a lot of co uh, commit, sorry, disagree, but commit where you want to say, I don't think it's a great idea, but let's do it. Because if you ever are a standstill and that's just burning time. And the only resource here that is super limited is time. So it's basically, if you're a company, imagine that's money. And every second that ticks away is another dollar that's lost. And once it goes down to zero, you have to share your MVP, otherwise you're dead. So another strategy that I kind of really want to talk about is how, um, how people, how, how we tend to spend a lot of time on how the presentation and the pitch will be. Yeah. We, we actually spent a good chunk of time actually, you know, um, developing this, uh, iterating on it and, you know, continuing to, uh, improve on it because it's, it's really at the end of the day, you don't need to build everything perfectly in order to have, you know, your ideas come across. And a lot of times, you know, I, I actually call it like a little bit of smokes and mirrors because what you're doing is presenting them with some some visual components. Maybe there's not visual components, but some some tangible thing that they, that a judge can look to and, and be able to say, oh, that is how it all fits together and that's how it all works. And I think a lot of that does come from the presentation or pitch and being able to work ourselves backwards from that angle at, at certain times. Yeah, would you say that it's like you want to sell a story, right? Yeah. Like it's similar to any kind of pitch for as you're trying to sell a story or even like when you're talking to someone, you want to tell them and convey an idea. And if you're able to step from a perspective where they understand it from nothing to all the way to like, oh, I understand what you want to sell me. I understand and I'm totally on board. Like that's the end goal, right? Yep, precisely so. And I think, you know, having, I think we usually have, Robin and I are usually, you know, spending time doing at least the building of the product and stuff like that. My, my time is mostly spent on the, essentially what is being showcased to the users, so whether this is an iOS app or um, a website or an, like, um, an Android app or so forth or something. Didn't we do something with the HoloLens? Uh, yeah, for one of the projects, we tried using the HoloLens to read barcodes to give you an experience where, like, if you were using a HoloLens to go shopping in a, right. a cashierless store, for example, you'll be able to just scan the QR, it adds to your list, and all of a sudden, you walk out because it's already been all recorded, and once you walk out, you do a payment because, you know, we have visuals of you leaving, and all that could be recorded, and all that uh, QR code definitely is straightforward. Um not that bad to do, to, and linking that to a product list, not that bad either. 
So all of it's actually doable and feasible. Um, I personally thought that was a great idea. Just uh, it's weird because I think the prize, sorry, the judging criteria there was like build something for the future. And one of the things we got dinged on was that, or I believe we got dinged on was that no one would use a HoloLens or like, you know, some kind of AR thing like this. So that's weird that the judging criteria was the future, but maybe they thought like, you know, down the week versus like down 10 lines, 10 years down the line, right? Yeah, that could be true. I also don't remember why we decided to use the HoloLens due to this, but it was, it was definitely one of those things where it was very creative in terms of what we would decide to do in order to make it so that, you know, we can display, you know, the right, uh, right screens and the right uh, series of things that are shown to the judges so they can get the idea of, you know, how this incorporates um, both the AR world as well as the, um, as the e-commerce world. So yeah, it was, it was, it was definitely interesting. Um, but that we definitely spent the majority of time making sure that we nailed the presentation and the pitch so that, you know, the judges can get a sense of what we're trying to build. What are the implications of, you know, what this could grow into essentially in terms of, you know, how users can use it, how users can, um, benefit from it, how other, you know, their companies can benefit from it as well. And then, uh, you know, and then present that in in a reasonable way that tells a really cohesive story. Yeah, it definitely helps to be able to convince the audience or the judge that this is the idea and being able to sell them that this makes sense. Um, a lot of the things that I've seen, like uh, when you go to judge, oh, sorry, when you watch other people present because they have to present to the judge and usually you had to wait in a line for the judges. Uh, one thing that I notice consistently is that they aren't able to sell their idea in the sense like it's not clear enough from just the presentation and there's a lot of follow-up questions just like um why would people use this uh what's your target audience and what what's the win here right like they're not convinced that it's worth pursuing right or other times where they might not say anything because they just straight up don't understand (laughs) and you don't want to be in either boat you want to be in a place where you're able to tell them the idea convince them that it's good and be able to show them that it can be done like, yeah. I think those are the good three things to focus on. No, agreed. And I think something, you know, being software engineers, sometimes we get so wrapped up into, you know, let's use the latest and greatest technology pieces that we kind of forget that at the end of the day, we're, you know, showcasing this to maybe people that are not technology experts and might not care too much about how, you know, how nifty our code is and care a little bit more about the usability and how this will impact uh, consumers as well as, you know, impact uh, how, how they can maybe even, you know, uh, benefit from, from such an idea. Yeah. Um, so you just mentioned some interesting things about the code part of it. So one question that I've received from a few friends is that, do you need to be able to code to go to a hackathon? I personally don't think so. Um, there are, like, I think we mentioned before, there are a lot of various different roles. I think that actually help you win a hackathon that are not, um, in the coding space. Uh, I think having a designer is 100% a hundred percent a clear way to be able to pitch and present uh, to judges in a way that, you know, that can make an go, that, that can take an idea and to make it look like a beautiful, cohesive idea, if, if that makes any sense. Got it. It sounds like there are auxiliary skill sets which are definitely usable at a hackathon, such as be able to tell the story better 
in a way that makes sense and you convey that idea. And um, having someone that understands product flow as well as user flow and intent definitely is a way to improve on that. Is that correct? Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I think that's that's really, like like I said, team composition. It was one of the main re- reasons why I think we were able to win so many hackathons. Yeah, I definitely agree with that in mind, that having someone be able to be focused on the product and the design, be able to say and sell the story is a key thing. Because if you pitch the same idea, which most of the time there'll be at least one or two people pitching the same idea. At the end of the day, if you're competing against that team because the idea is great, it's about whoever has a better presentation able to sell the story better. Um, And that's just going to be dependent on having more resources focused on being able to say, this is the story we're going to sell to you. Yeah, and I, I think it also helps that, you know, it becomes a polished idea. I, I don't know how many times I've heard in, um, at least when, when pitching to in the startup world, where essentially people really do buy what they see. And if you're able to see something that it looks very clean, polished, you know, actually like a, you know, a finalized product, not something that's, you know, wireframes or something that, you know, someone put together in MS Paint last minute, people gravitate towards that. People gravitate towards graphics that are, you know, aesthetically pleasing. And that just gives your, you know, your, uh, your hackathon project just such a good edge against other competitors. Yeah, that definitely is true where if you have a more polished idea, it's going to sell the story better. Um, not to get, not to say like you need the most polished one. It's just is something that does push it over the edge. Um, there are times where I've seen wireframes do decently well. Maybe not, you know, place in the top positions, but able to say this is a novel idea. Um, and even though it's not a full MVP, the judge criteria there may not. Uh, ding you too much on that. Perhaps. I don't know. I, I, I still feel like the polishness helps a lot. I, I still remember one of the winning hackathon was the Zen meditation app. And it was it was really, really just stellar looking. It looked like something you can find on the iOS app store and download it right there. It was, it had, you know, this beautiful uh, iconography. It had, you know, it, I don't even think it had that many screens when it came to what it did, but it was just something that was just so visually compelling that people, I, I actually believe that this could have been, you know, something that you pulled from the iOS app store. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, the polish does help a lot. Um, but at the same time, uh, the project that we did for the Money 2020, uh, it had no UI for that one project, which we placed pretty high for. Um, that was just a Amazon Echo project, so basically just audio. And it's you don't need a great UI or even any UI to be able to win. It's just you need to be able to sell the idea. Because for that, we have just basically uh, input with your just saying, hi, Amazon Alexa, what are some... I, what are some things I should be worried about or what's my daily forecast, for example? And then they'll basically tell you and list financial things you should be worried about, looking at your social feeds, for example, noticing things like someone's birthday, you probably should you know, uh, buy a gift for that person or being able to say, hi, your anniversary is coming up. You should also buy a gift for that person. <laughs> things like that, right? Mm-hmm. Like If you're able to sell the idea, you don't need a story. Uh, as long as you're able to sell the story, you don't 
necessarily need the UI, but most of the time the UI does help sell it. Okay, great. Uh, do you have any other suggestions or strategies for hackathons that you want to share, Robin? I think I went through all the ones I wanted to talk through on my list of things that help. Uh, no, nothing else comes to mind. I think the most important thing is team cohesiveness and being able to pivot. Those are the two key strategies. Um, be able to say, coming into the project, be able to say, hi, we're going to focus on this and you work on back end, you work on front end, you work on design, you work on product, definitely does give a team alignment. Mm -hmm. And if you're able to trust each member to participate and try their hardest, and if you understand what to expect, then I think that's probably your winning a winning strategy in itself. Yeah. No, I'm in complete agreement. And yep, yeah, I think that's that's definitely has helped us in our success. Cool. Do you have any closing remarks around hackathons that you want to share, Robin? Uh man, hackathons, <laughs> tiring but rewarding. I think that that's how. I I don't think it's the best thing in the world, but uh, you know what? It's pretty good. It's pretty high up there. I mean, we haven't been able to do one due to the pandemic, and so I really miss um, having that kind of you know ability to go in, create something new, and do nothing but code for over 24 hours. That that I, I really think um, I, I would love to be able to do sometime in the future, but we'll see when, when things uh, get back to normal. Yeah, it's possible that hackathons in general or conventions might be a thing of the past, yeah. you know, with COVID. You know, you never know. Yeah. Hopefully that um, with the vaccinations and everything will go back to somewhat normality in a little bit of time. Yeah, there there uh, are online hackathons, though I haven't really participated in any. Um, they I feel like those are much more competitive in some regards. So. Yeah, the timelines for those is not a 24 or 48 hour period, so you're allowed to do a lot more thinking, organization, project management, and if you're going against other teams that literally doing this for their full-time job or basically full-time studentness, like you're going to lose out if you're doing it only for a part-time. Uh, not saying you can't play, so I'm just saying like it, you're playing, you're fighting an uphill battle. Yeah, yeah, it just requires a lot more commitment than I think a lot of the ones that we've been to, which are just on-site hackathons. I guess there's one thing I want to say is, I don't think hackathons are uh, cost beneficial because you spend about twenty-four hours, and if you're a developer, that's uh, three workdays. And basically, three workdays is all usually more salaried money that you would get than like the prize pool. I, I can't FYI. believe you're comparing this to work. Hackathons are not work, in my opinion. Hackathons are like you're going to a birthday party, or um, you're doing like an escape room, or you're going I on a vacation, never been to a or birthday a party, or escape room where I'm coding for twenty four hours. Well. Yes, I'm going to start that as my next company, all right? All right. All right. So? I think they are very fun experiences that, you know, you remember for a good chunk of time. They're, they are, you know, almost like an adventure of themselves. And so I, I view them as even if we win or lose, it's, it's a time well spent with people that, you know, you enjoy and you have a really good time out of it. All right, perfect. I think that's all the time we've had. And... You know what? I'm very excited about this new venture idea and hope the listeners are also interested. Please leave a comment if you're interested and see you next time.